0: It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Kippur. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
1: No, no, maze, no i mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. וגם אם את תמשו
0: A.M. in the A.M. A.N.O.D. Milvado done by Amram Adar, who joined us earlier in the week, you may recall. Nice conversation about his uh, brand new album. Uh, before that, oh, are they expecting showers for tomorrow? What happened? I thought it was supposed to be a beautiful Yom Kippur day. Huh, interesting. Sunday is supposed to be. Absolutely gorgeous, so I guess if you have to build the sukkah and you've waited until this coming Sunday, you're in good shape in this area. I don't know about the rest of the world, but looks like you're in good shape here. Uh, anyway, enod Milvado, as we were telling you, that's um, Amramadar, Uh Israel Jarufi with Habayin Yakir Li, by Micha Gamerman, Yehuda Greens, Hashiveinu, Yom Kippur Medli from Welcome Back Yom Tov, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. As we say, good morning. It's Erev Yom Kippur Friday morning on this September the 29th. It's the 9th of Tishrei. Today's a day where traditionally we eat. And um, tomorrow, of course, is the day that we are required to fast. So the 9th of Tishrei is a day that we're supposed to eat. Um, as is our tradition. And again, of course, the fast begins tonight. Candle lighting at 621. 621 is candle lighting time. On this, uh, Erev Yom Tov, I just sent a, uh, text to my cantorial consultant asking if we should play the Rosenblatt Kol Nidre right after Rabbi Yudin this morning, and I'm waiting for an answer. So as soon as I'm, as soon as the suggestion comes through, when the Rosenblatt Kol Nidre would be most appropriate, uh, then we'll know exactly when, uh, Yussel is. uh, Cole Nidre will be uh, on the air here at JM in the AM. Uh, 57 degrees, I was saying earlier about the weather. Yeah, 57, cooler than it's been. Mostly sunny with a high 72, partly cloudy for tonight. Then tomorrow, they're talking about showers in the afternoon in this area. Interesting. Did not realize we may get some rain on Yom Kippur. High tomorrow on Yom Kippur, 65 degrees only. Right now, 76 in Yushalayim, 57 here in New York City, as we say good morning at JM and the AM. The good news, as I said, is if you waited until uh, this coming Sunday to build your sukkah in this area, it looks like you'll have sunshine and 70 degree weather, and that's pretty good. Wishing everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. A Gemara Chatimatova, a Gemara to everybody. Uh, if you want to comment on the app and just wish a happy, healthy new year to all of our app viewers and all of our app listeners, feel free to do so. Uh, Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone. On the home screen, you'll see you can add a comment and just let us know what you want to say before Yom Kippur. 21 minutes before 7 o'clock, J.M. in the A.M. Malcolm Honline, weekly update one hour from now. Malcolm Honline, weekly update one hour from now. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will discuss Yom Kippur coming up uh, about 8.15 this morning. Naomi Nachman is uh, going to be hosting a brand new table for two coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. She'll interview Shannon Sarna, author of The Modern Jewish Baker, and Sally Fax of a World of Chantilly Bakery. And my thanks to World of Chantilly Bakery, because when they visited our studio here at JMAM earlier this week, they left us some delicious World of Chantilly NSN cookies. Yes. And Nachum Siegel Network cookies. And I take this opportunity to thank them for that. Uh, candle lighting six twenty one on this Arab Yom Kipper. Our uh, best wishes to everybody around the world, all of our listeners everywhere, for a uh, happy, healthy, and sweet new year and an easy fast coming up starting tonight. Uh, next week, of course, uh, Matus will be on JM Sunday, starting Sunday morning at seven a.m. Eastern time, and then we will, uh, then we will. Um, have a relatively short week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, leading up to uh, Wednesday night's holiday of Sukkot. J.M. in the A.M. on this Erev Yom Kippur.
3: ¡Suscríbete al canal!
4: One time his pupils asked him, Rabbi, how do you celebrate Erochim Kippur? Like today before you, how do you celebrate? It? So he says, Tell you the truth, I don't know how to do it. But Moshe the shoemaker, he knows how to do it. So the Chesidim, the Tab Chesidim, the the Sea of Lublin, they went and they stood behind the windows of Moishele the shoemaker to see what he does he eats then he says to his children okay the great moment is here bring out the two books they bring out a huge book and a small book and he says God master of the world it's me again Why should a shoemaker God I want to read you something this the little book it's the book of my sins. But the heavy book is the book of your sins. Let me read you my sins. I yelled at my wife. I yelled at my children. I asked for too much money for the shoes. I kept a piece of leather. Keeps on reading, reading. He says, God, if you have to admit, they're minor sins. Let me read you your sins. I starts reading. Her mother died and left nine children. Master of the world, what's the nice matter of you? He starts reading, There's a war in the world. Thousands of people. Master of the world, this is a major crime. He keeps on reading, Whatever moisture the shoemaker knows about the world. He says, God, it's help him kicker. If you forgive me, I forgive you and the rabbi rabbi the melech when they came back keval was he crying gavalt was he crying he's his master of the world keval don't you know Moshe the shoemaker had God in the palm of his hands he would have said to God God I won't forgive you you have to redeem the world the Messiah would have come So, Michelle, tomorrow you've got in the palm of your hands. Don't let the one and the only one, don't let him go away without telling him no, master of the word. You know something? Tomorrow, Michelle, you and Jerry, you can fix the Holy Land. Because it takes only one real prayer. One real prayer. So we bless you, Michelle. Whatever you and Jerry and all of us bless you and pray for you and with you should be fulfilled.
1: Shabbat shalom. Shatit Maler Rahamim I'm going a
0: I think it's an important message for uh, Erev Yom Kippur. Avremo with Achim Banefesh at JM in the AM. Chaim Shal Shalom, that was Yaakov Shweki. Shlomo Kalbach Zohrenu with the piece of the... I want to make sure to get this right. That was a piece from YouTube that was recommended to us, and I thank uh, the person who recommended it. Rebbe Melach and Meishelah the Shoemaker on Erev Kipper. Kippur. Naftali Blumenthal had Chaye Olam. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world in the web at on the Single Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galei tzal in the background. It's Erev Yom Kippur in Israel. In Israel, in fact, it's 2 o'clock. Getting closer and closer to the holiest day of the year. Galitzal Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Kippur is next. We say Shana Tova from Jam in the Amp.
5: Galitzal <trival> Tzal is at 2. Here, Iran El-Yakim, is what's happening now. Erev Yom HaKippur is at 2. Before a long time, the vehicles and buses were destroyed. הופשעה זו מסתיימות נסיעות האוטובוסים בתוך הערים. כתבנו גל חן מוסר כתחבורה ציבורית צבויה להתחדש בצאת יום הכיפורים. משטרת ישראל ומשמר הגבול ערוכים בכוחות מתוגברים ברחבי הארץ. סגר כלליות על הליהודה ושומרון והמעברים ברצועת עזה נסגרו והיפתחו בחצות בלילה שבין שבת וראשון. במהלך הסגר המעבר לישראל יורשה רק במקרים הומניטריים, רפואיים וחריגים. בזמני הצום כתבנו אורי אגרה.
6: כנסת הצום בירושלים ב דקות, בחיפה ב-5:59 ובוורשובא יכנס הצום ב-6:09 דקות. יציאת הצום ב-7:00 בירושלים, בתל אביב ובוורשובא 7:03 דקות ובחיפה 7:02 דקות. תפילת כל נדרי תתחיל בוותי הכנסת ב-6:30 משואחר ותפילת נעילה למחרת בשעה 5:00.
5: במהלך 25 שעות יום הכיפורי מפעל מוקד טלפוני לסיוע לניצולי שואה במקרי חירום. כתבתנו שיר עזרף.
1: ניצולי השואה מוזמנים לפנות למוקד החירום של העמותה לעזרה מיידית לניצולי השואה במספר 0-3-5257-888. בעמותה קוראים לבעלי מקצוע בתחומי חשמל ואינסטלציה, וכן לעובדים בתחומי רפואה לפנות את דף הפייסבוק של העמותה ולהיות קונני חורום
5: שני הולכי רגל נפגעו בתאונות דרכים. במושב בית עזרה נפגע ילד בן תשע מכלי רכב, מצבו בנוני. צוותי מגן דוד אדום העניקו לו טיפול רפואי, הוא פינו אותו לבית החולים תל השומר כשהוא סובל מחבלת ראש. ובחדרה הרע, רכב פגע בהולכת רגל בת 75 ופצע אותה באורח בנוני. היא הורוברה לטיפול בבית החולים מלל יפה בעיר עם חבלות בחזה. ארוה פירטי של שחיטת תרנגול קפרות נמנה ברגע האחרון. השירות הווטרינרי ומשרד החקלאות סיקלו אירוע שאמור היה להתקיים בבית העלמין בראשון לציון ללא ישורים ולא על הנעלים, תוך גרימת סבל רב לבעלי החיים. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת כי 600 התרנגולים שנמצאו בנו להם מתקנים מוגנים מחוץ לעיר. התניסה הישראלית דודי סלע פרש מטורניר שנערך בסין עקב כניסת יום הכיפורים. כתבנו לנו אופיר יונתן.
3: דודי סלע פרש ממשחק רבע הגמר בטורניר שן ז'אן עקב החשש שהמשחק יזלוג עד לכניסת יום הכיפורים בסין והחליט לפרוש בתחילת המערכה השלישית. יוני ארליך לעומת סלע סיים את משחק חצי הגמר בזמן והפיל לגמר הטורניר יחד עם חברו לצוות.
5: תחזית מזג אוויר ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות בעיקר בהרים, הלילה יתחנו גשמים מקומיים, מחר ימשיך להיות קר לעונה, ויתכן גשם מקומי קל בצפון הארץ ולאורך מישור החוף. אלה החדשות שעורכת התום ויינטרב לוק, בעד צוות, אינברט ויזר וליד גרושקה, מכולנו בגלי צהל וגלגלץ, גמר חתימה טובה.
1: shashana <speaking> ikate dono bio some people hate <Hebrew> So
0: J.M. in the AM, Kivakaras words from unasana Tokev, which we'll be saying tomorrow that Shlomo Simcha here at J.M. in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, Shlomo Kalbach Shmak from the Slichus Experience, Rosh Hashanah Shali at Yaeli Klein, Shlomo Katz at Barosh Hashanah, and Dveikas of volume number four with Barosh Hashanah here at J.M. in the AM. 7.30 in the morning on a Friday, it is Erev Yom Kippur, Erev Yom Kippur 5778. On this ninth day of the year, a day that traditionally uh, we're supposed to eat. Yeah, ninth day of uh, Tishrei we eat. On the tenth day, Yom Kippur we fast. Today's candle lighting time in the New York area, 621. 621 official candle lighting time. In this area, most synagogues will begin Kol Nidre in the 625-630 range. And uh, then we will have uh, started... Yom Kippur. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us for the weekly update coming up. That'll be at uh, about 7.40 Eastern Time, nine minutes from now here at JM in the AM. 57 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 72. Possibly some rain in this area tomorrow on uh, Yom Kippur afternoon. Uh, Naomi Nachman follows us at 9 a.m. With a brand-new edition of Table for Two, she will invite Shannon Sarna, author of The Modern Jewish Baker, into our studio. Plus, Sally Facts of World of Chantilly Bakery is going to be in our studio. And by the way, I want to thank World of Chantilly because on one of their prior visits uh, this week to the jm and headquarters, they left us some great-looking and delicious World of Chantilly NSN Cookies. Yeah, they created some NSN, Nahum Single Network Cookies, and I take this opportunity to uh, thank them for that. Very, very nice, to say the least. More coming up. Erev Yom Kippur, you're listening to J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo simcha with um, brand new selection totten you check out the uh, the video of that recorded at the Bialystoker synagogue on the lower east side of manhattan happy birthday going out to adina basia Leitner. adina basia happy birthday to you from all of us here at jam the am friday morning I want to thank our friends at onlysimchas.com onlysimchas continues to utilize a lot of our comments or i should say a lot of our content in the uh, presentation of different news stories from around the Jewish world. Uh, go to onlysimchas.com every day and check out what they've posted. You'll be intrigued. Unless I got it wrong uh, when I was listening to the news from Israel about 40 minutes ago with everybody here, um, it looks like Dudley Selah, the great Israeli tennis player who's in China right now at a match has put in a special request or did put in a special request for the match to be moved so that it's guaranteed to end before Yom Kippur. And between that and hearing the, the time that the fast begins and the time that Nihila is scheduled for throughout the state of Israel, and emergency services and how they're going to work over Yom Kippur and bus schedules and how they've come to a halt in major cities in Israel already, and they'll pick up tomorrow night at a specific time. You hear all that, and those are what we refer to here as these only-in-Israel moments, and sometimes it's important to just take a minute and reflect on the incredible miracle of having that, what I just described, in this era, um... For us, for our worldwide Jewish community. Yeah, because Israel is for the worldwide Jewish community. Important message on this Erev Yom HaKippurim. Friday morning on Erev Yom Kippur, candle lighting in New York, 621. 621, official candlelighting time. Kol Nidre, of course, tonight. Yisker tomorrow. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations joins us for the weekly update here. Each Friday morning, Mr. Honeline Shanatova, Tova, Gemara Welcome back to JM in the AM.
7: Thank you on all counts, and to you and to everyone. We pray for Gamar Khatimatova Tova, and uh, as they say, a meaningful fast and an yeah. easy one. It's nothing wrong with saying an easy fast. Some people think that that's uh, a diminution of tennis uh, <laughs> but easy has a lot of implications in terms of... Uh, the accounting that we do tomorrow tonight mm-hmm. and tomorrow
0: well if some people don't like easy fast they must really resent what i say a fast fast <laughs> that's, <laughs> what I, that's what i wish people uh oh so much going on in this world and we hope and pray for a happy sweet and peaceful <laughs> most importantly peaceful new year uh, let's go through some of the things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks we didn't speak last week because of russia hashanah of course uh, so we know what happened in Mexico, terrible natural disaster. We know it claimed the life of Rebbe Chaim Ashkenazi. Uh, h- have you been in touch? Is there any update regarding the Jewish community in Mexico and uh, the aftermath of this terrible earthquake?
7: Well, we were in touch at the time, but uh, not very much uh, this past week. They are uh, rebuilding, and uh, we have um, uh, the tragedy of his, uh, his uh, being killed and uh, dying in this uh tragic way, and his body was only found uh, days afterwards, and he's the son-in-law of the chief rabbi of
0: Mexico. Wow. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, we're trying to pay as much attention as possible, some might argue that here in the New York area, to what's happening in Puerto Rico. Are there any reports from the Chabad or Jewish community in Puerto Rico in the aftermath of the uh, hurricane that hit there?
7: Well, they have been collecting uh, goods and uh, w- working on it. We don't have a an assessment of damage. Uh, we have, of course, from Houston, and you were there and saw firsthand that the Jewish community was pretty severely affected by um, by the flooding. And, you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, the problem with Puerto Rico is that the, the information is hard to get. There's still limited communication.
0: Anybody out there who has... Um any direct connection to, especially to Chabad, because I guess they have the biggest presence in terms of the Jewish community there. Let us know. As Malcolm just indicated, it, it seems to be a big problem uh, being in touch with people down there. And if anybody has a, a shortcut for us, let us know. All right. Um, a lot of things to talk about over the last couple of weeks. We'll start with the UN because uh, you you know how closely I watch and listen to the UN speeches. And we'll go first with BB, and then we'll go to Mr. Uh, to the President, Mr. Donald Trump. Um So on Bibi's speech, Prime Minister of Israel, uh, I had mentioned that two years ago he went, I thought, a a drop overboard on the whole Iran nuclear deal issue. And then last year, I thought he was rightfully overboard on the entire uh, Israel is leading the world. Everybody hop aboard. You're going to miss the train issue. I thought he had a, a perfect balance of the two this time around. What did you think of his presentation?
7: well i think it was uh it it was uh, well thought out it was um meant to address issues and in a sense you know he used humor which some people knew and liked and some people didn't like but um you know talking about the penguins and and some of the other references that he made um uh, but it was uh he, you know he touched on the basis and he put forward very clearly an agenda and that many of the others did not and if you you notice um, there's very little coverage about the speeches. I, I was talking yesterday with some UN officials about it uh, because I, I thought maybe I missed it because of Rosh Hashanah. You know, we didn't get to see really the papers in the same way and follow the aftermath of the of the speeches, which were primarily given on Tuesday and Rosh Hashanah began Wednesday. Right. Uh, but frankly, the the overwhelming issue was was uh, President Trump and everything else. Um, paled in comparison. You know, Rouhani was here, president of Iran. Remember when Ahmadinejad was here and all the attention and his speeches and whatever, uh, along with many others, nobody paid any attention to any of them. And whether they liked President Trump or they didn't like President Trump, everybody tried to get meetings, and I know how many foreign leaders contacted us about that. And that the... His presence was really overshadowed virtually everything else that was going
0: on. Oh, well, When we're talking about his presence, you mean the president or the prime minister? President. No, because I, I thought there was a tremendous amount of attention paid to his speech, meaning the president's speech.
7: I think that. I'm saying the president overshadowed everything else that was going on right. there. Right,
0: and you're saying that includes BB,
7: It included Bibi's speech. Yeah. It included everybody else. It was nothing really new. There was no, you know... Uh, the, remember when he drew the picture of the, uh, oh, of the yeah, bomb? And yeah. uh, I mean,
0: trust me, when it comes to the Penguins and John McEnroe, I would have lost all that. Also, believe me, I would not have recommended that he go there with all these references and jokes. I don't know why he does it. Maybe he thinks that American pop cultures. <laughs> I mean, you realize half of America doesn't even understand the John McEnroe reference anymore. That's how old people are. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no, that's one
7: a, of the things. Yeah, crazy. it was a com- There were comments made at the UN about it. Uh, people. Did not like and, uh, the references, uh, uh, and who felt that uh, if you notice others did not resort to humor in their presentation. I think the prime minister did it because uh, he was saying to them, "Look, so many of the arguments, the things that you're putting forward, are so ridiculous," and uh, and he tries to to demonstrate that it is a debatable point. Certainly, I think that uh, whether it's wise or not to use it, but the overall. Uh, um, the fact that, you know, we had scores and scores of of heads of state, presidents, kings, everything. And I met with, with many. I mean, we, we had, I don't know, 30 meetings maybe. We, we obviously can't go to all of them, so we divided up and assigned people to go to some of the meetings. Uh, but the biggest story of it was the traffic. I mean, I think that overshadowed virtually everything in the coverage and... And uh, the president's uh, presence every meeting, uh, and uh, I was in the hotels when he was there at the, um, the palace, and it, it was uh, it was quite remarkable. He had a reception there at night, and all the leaders came, or many of the leaders came, not all. So uh, I, I think it was remarkable in the fact that, that so little attention was paid.
0: Right, too many of because, because he plays the media, because he plays the media perfectly. And you said Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad had the same ability; he had the ability to know what to say, when to say it, and get the attention of the media, which uh, the leader of Iran now does not have the same capability. that Ahmadinejad had.
7: So, well, know. I don't know that he didn't have, doesn't have the same capability. Um, he, he doesn't say the same things. That's true. But right, he doesn't, but it doesn't... <laughs> doesn't. You know, he doesn't. It's it's not as interesting, but. When you think about what, what's going on with Iran today, you would have thought that, that every word would have been weighed and
0: assessed. Right, and most people just ignore it. All right, so the substance of Trump's speech. What do you think of the president's speech then on that subject of Iran?
7: Well, I thought some of it was, was very bold. It's not, he didn't give an indication yet of what he's going to do, although he did say several times thereafter that he has made a decision, but not indicating whether he will certify or not next month. And I think everybody would agree that it is a very important and uh, and critical decision. I think he, you know, he put the emphasis on North Korea very little on the Middle East, very little right. on other topics in uh, relatively in his um, in his remarks, focusing on Rocket Man. Um, so I thought that the um, you know assertion of American pride of, of national uh, identity. There are many countries. Who said us? They thought that that was a, an appropriate and positive uh, uh, statement because they do believe it. They want to see their each individual country's uh, identity, power, uh, you know, growth, etc., being uh, emphasized more than the collectivity, which is often done at the United Nations, where they talked about the unified efforts and not the responsibilities of individual states.
0: I don't even know if you know the answer to this question, but. Did any other countries? I think the day he spoke, there were eighteen countries that spoke. Uh, did any countries during any of these UN sessions bring up Israel, Iran? You know the the topics that we you know gravitate to you know um, most quickly.
7: Oh, sure, many many did. Many raised the Middle East. Uh, they uh, the uh, Arab countries uh, did raise these issues. Uh, some of them uh, stronger, most of them in very mild uh, ways um unusually mild and some a little tougher but yeah they these issues uh obviously uh, north korea uh, was raised, and the um macron speech was dedicated to and was considered more impactful. i think than most speeches got coverage, but his, his really was uh his efforts to lead towards um uh, uh keeping the deal with Iran but uh, extending it, having additional conferences to extend it, to to amend it, uh, rather than to uh, decertify or even worse. Uh, and it, that speech, I think, got uh, more attention than virtually any
0: other. Uh, can you just remind me one more time, if he does certify it, things essentially continue as they have been. Right. If, right. That's how it works. And if he doesn't but- certify it, then he has the right to try to adjust and... And bring it, what, back to Congress? No, it and... has
7: a right to adjust no matter what. But right. the certification just simply says that I cannot certify. Certification says I certify that Iran is in compliance. The not to certify says that he can't assure it. And when you see the reports from the IEA and others now that we say, the International Atomic Energy Agency, that they have no access to any of the, the military sites which includes some of the most important, like Fordo, Natans, Iraq. They tell us that they're rebuilding the Iraq uh, reactor in a modified way. Um, and then we saw this week this, this uh, supposed rocket launch, which now I think there's a growing consensus that it was a fake uh, attack. But the fact that they have this missile, the BM-25, which is also North Korea's, it's a 2,000-kilometer range, and they are saying, look, we can hit Israel with this, uh, and it can be fitted with a, a nuclear warhead relatively easily once you to have the missile, the f- the flight capacity, et cetera It's slightly different than the North Korean one in terms of the weight of the warheads and some other uh, details, but overall it is uh it shows again the interrelationship of North Korea and Iran on the missile program and we believe on the nuclear um uh, uh, nuclear program and that 's why the u s provided europe with a defense missile defense system uh... course for, for to oppose what do they call the uh, the missile threat from the south, which is clearly a reference to uh to iran and and you look at the other aspects of of iran's activities whether it's the the undermining of regimes the expansion of its terrorist support uh so many things that uh Go beyond just the letter of the agreement, and some say violate other resolutions of the United Nations. That the the just certifying it and saying this business goes on as usual is uh, would be a mistake. And we even see these Iraqi Shiite militias, uh, the Harkat Hezbollah al-Nujada, uh, who have ten thousand uh, m- members in this militia fighters. And they want to help Iran to build the Damascus to, to Beirut road um, that goes through Iraq, Syria, uh, Lebanon, from Iran, and to to push the the Shiite crescent uh, goal, the, the hegemony of Iran. And uh, they are pushing to to southeast uh, Syria. They're pushing in their forces there. This is where U.S. forces are backing. Um, uh, forces, other forces, which the Russians, by the way, have bombed twice in the last few weeks for reasons that's not clear at all. Uh, And these guys have created also a Golan Brigade. So they're not just talking about what they're going to do there. They're looking at at the future to to, uh, uh, threaten uh, Israel. So things that have to be done is that the Iran Revolutionary Guard has to be Completely designated as a terrorist organization, we have to reinstate a lot of the sanctions We have to uh, uh, make sure that things like Iran Air, which is providing uh, assistance to to Iran and taking troops to Syria and other things, should be again a terrorist uh, entity designated as a terrorist entity, so that the sales to Boeing, the purchases they 're making and the sales by Boeing and Airbus. Would uh, uh, could be prevented or, or at least diminished. The um, uh, uh, there are steps that can be taken. People think it's it's just an either or situation. It's not. We have to do much more to to enhance the sanctions to keep up the pressure. I don't think they're going to kill the deal. By the way, decertifying does
0: not kill the JCPOA. Right. Yeah, that you've explained to us, and that's what, that's why I wonder. You know. <laughs> How much of a difference there is between certifying and not recertifying, you know, because, uh, it, practically speaking, I don't know if it would, if it would call for much of a difference, you know, in terms of facts on the ground.
7: Well, it's a first step, and it, it certainly sends a very strong message, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure right now. The Kurdish referendum has broad implications for Iran as well. There are eight to ten million Kurds, and a very restive population. They've had big demonstrations. Uh, in in Iranian Kurdistan, and Iran supposedly flew military jets over them, and the uh, IRGC police were were there, and the uh, they have done very bad things. They've cracked down on the people, the Kurdish people. There've been executions. There've been uh, other uh, steps taken, and the vast majority of Kurdish Kurds in Iran would go. Independent too. It's it's estimated if given uh, the chance. And as I said, 8 to 10 million people is a lot of people. And the, the other minorities in the region are looking at what's happening with the Kurds, whether it's Yazidis or Christians and others, and thinking, well, maybe we can create a autonomous regions for ourselves. What was very interesting is that the Syrians said that they're ready to negotiate autonomy in Syria in the final outcome for the... Or the Kurdish population there. But Turkey is apoplectic about it. You saw the big military maneuvers they did. Iran is ready to move on it. I think this is a very delicate uh, situation. I don't think that the Kurds are going to go for independence right now. I think that they're going to try to negotiate, use the outcome of the referendum as leverage, but it certainly has raised the uh, tensions and focus, and people only look at the at the Iraqi side when in fact the other countries, Iran, Syria, uh, Turkey, are impacted as well.
0: Israel has publicly expressed support for the Kurds, or there's just an impression that Israel supports them?
7: No, Israel, I think alone in the world, uh, the prime minister came out in support of Kurdish independence. There's been a long history of ties, of close ties and close relationship. Israel has aided uh, them over the years, but there are about 100,000 Kurds may be more in Israel from uh, uh, Jews from Kurdistan, so that was uh, a tie, a close tie bond bridge between the two. Uh, And if you saw the demonstrations during the referendum and before the referendum, there were Israeli flags flying that the Kurds identify and say, you know, see Israel as a model for what they want to
0: do america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at nachomsegel.com on the nachomsegel network and of course on the beloved nsn app arab yom kippur 5778 malcolm Honeline is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations a couple of minutes ago you mentioned about the american presence or support uh, american support for different military presences in the region is that is the, is the impression of that different since President Trump took over? Uh, it, it, do do the potential enemies of the United States, and I mean potential enemies, meaning if there would be in fact some type of war or conflict, um, do they view things differently in terms of American support and American presence in that region since January, or not necessarily so?
7: Well, they see it differently, as you know. That many felt alienated during the period that America had disengaged. Um, they are still not sure about what the policy is, at least that's what they say to us, and they're concerned about what direction future American policy will take about engagement, but the fact that the president went to Saudi Arabia, had all those countries there, as a delegation uh, going to the Middle East uh, on a regular basis, Um, his engagement with uh, some of the leaders that uh, the previous administration didn't meet with or had limited contact with, uh, but there's still not a certainty about what what the direction or, or the decision-making process uh, and the um, and that's why I said that his his presence looms large that uh, people look to the United States uh, primarily for uh, direction and and we have uh, so many uh, hotspots we have. The, the the challenges from Russia, Turkey, Iran, many others, uh, many other places. See the Taliban, again, in Afghanistan, we see an American engagement there. Um, the battle in Qatar, the sides that are drawn there. So, And sometimes the mixed messages, like on the Qatar conflict, where the Secretary of State sends one message and the White House seems to send another. Uh, but uh, I think that there is a greater sense of engagement and that, um, and and the unpredictability can be a big asset when countries are enemies, especially you know can't really predict and don't believe like they may <laughs> yeah. in the past that the United States was not going to engage in.
0: I don't know if you would have said that a year ago because maybe then the unpredictability had a a likely default in one direction, and this unpredictability under Trump may have a default in a different direction. I don't know. That's if exactly what I was going to say. Wow. Um, okay, there you go. Sorry for, been, your, sorry, <laughs> sorry for stealing your... paying attention. Sorry for stealing your analysis. <laughs> uh, by the way, on the UN thing, any any different uh, presence of the PA this time around? Uh, any Anything significant regarding the PA in the UN before we talk about Haradar? I think
7: it was much more marginalized. I mean, the, uh, there was lip service paid to the issue, but in most cases, the Arab leaders, very mild in their comments. Uh, the Qataris is pretty tough. Others uh, also, but... Um, Egyptians, Saudi Arabia, UAE, as far as I know, were were much more mild in in their comments, um, and and Abbas's presence again, like Rouhani, what I said, these things did not get uh, right. much attention, and it's an argument about whether it pays to demonstrate or go after the the presence of a, of a Rouhani. Let's say. Uh, because you just build it up and call more attention and make it more significant than otherwise the media really very limited
0: interest. Has Mahmoud Abbas yet reacted to the Har Adar attack? So this is, uh,
7: again, I don't think people fully comprehend why Israel makes a big uh, issue of the fact that not only did he not condemn the attacker and, and what happened, and it doesn't matter if he was mentally imbalanced or not. anything else. He could have expressed condolences to families and condemned the fact that the attack took place uh, because the ongoing incitement and the ongoing rewards, and that his family, the family of the murderer who, who killed three innocent people and wounded others, will uh, already, was announced, receive uh, the stipend that the terrorist families get. And more importantly, that the Fatah website, this is his party, uh, extolled him as a martyr. So not only did we not see a condemnation of a, of a blatant murder, was certainly unprovoked as a guy who worked in Haradar. Uh, there are 100 Palestinians who every day could, got through, you know, without going through the regular scrutiny. People don't know and, and Israel's enemies certainly don't want to recognize a hundred thousand Palestinians have permits to come into work in Israel every day a hundred thousand and you know sometimes they have to go through checkpoints and or they do go through checkpoints and um, but the, the, uh, you know when they recount and tell, tell the story they, they hardly ever make reference to it and he had been working there uh, at, in manual labor and the the um, so the attack was uh, brutal and the resulting deaths should have been condemned no matter what. And the fact that Abbas will not do that, it tells you where he's at, what what the the mental state is. And the United States criticized it. I think Ambassador Friedman and others, and certainly the prime minister, made very clear that this is, again, it's an indication of the mindset and and, uh, the real direction that they are going in.
0: Speaking of the ambassador, State Department, according to the Jerusalem Post, declined to defend David Friedman's ambassador to Israel on Thursday after he claimed in an interview that Israeli settlements built after 1967 are a part of the country. The claim, which runs contrary to decades-old U.S. policy continued by the Trump administration, should, quote, not be read as a way to prejudge the outcome of any negotiations, and, quote, should not be read as a shift in U.S. policy. This, according to Heather Nort, the State Department spokesperson, um, so, uh, is that first of all the because we always, for obvious reasons, have always split or pointed out the differences between White House policy and State Department vol- policy, at least the way it seems to us, vis-a-vis Israel. Who who does he represent? Does he represent the president, the State Department, or both?
7: Well, I certainly, w- I think he represents David Friedman. I think he represents the president. He's close. He has a close relationship with him. He has taken uh, very bold positions. He's very forthright and honest about uh, his views. And uh, I think uh, influences the president and obviously takes direction from the president. Um, You know, it's an unusual setup because of the you know, and an issue that many foreign leaders raised during the week is is the uh, appearance of the relevance of the State Department compared, certainly compared to the White House, oh, interesting. on uh, critical issues. That's, a, that's for, people for, 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 for
0: people like me, that's actually a good perception.
7: Right, That and many people predict that, that the secretary will be out. You know, there's already been speculation by the end of the year, right. uh, speculation about a succession, and I think people shouldn't get too far into that. Um, but the you know the State Department has not been staffed up. The State There's a the secretary with his small crew, and then a huge gap, and then you have the standard you know State Department Foreign Service uh, people. So while they function, and obviously have embassies around the country, of the world, many of them also not filled yet, uh, and not able to report because there's nobody to report to other than to the secretary. Uh, as some ambassadors uh, uh, told us, so this is an unusual circumstance. You've often had, I mean, Secretary Kerry, even with Secretary Clinton, there are always moments of tension. Sometimes more independence by a Secretary of State like Warren Christopher, and, uh, and even more George Shultz, who really were powerful figures and and led in a different a different way. And then you have, um, I think, a situation today where you have a, a, a marginalization of of state in the eyes of many. Mm,
0: got it okay. Could you explain what happened in Germany, the German elections this week?
7: Yes, and we should all be very concerned about it because it tells you a disturbing trend that 13% of the people voted for the extreme right-wing party which has anti-semites which is identified with uh, you know these radical views extremist views um, and that Merkel uh, got the lowest vote for a party for since in 70 years. Uh, you know again she's running on her fourth term but the the, uh, the the this is a reflection of the reaction and the protest against her policy on immigration and the role that immigrants are playing in the rise of crime or whatever in in uh, that's been cited in in Germany but you know it's not the only country where we see extreme right or extreme left parties gaining and uh, obviously the Jewish community in Germany is deeply concerned about it because these guys are going to continue there now within the parliament with 13 percent, it's not an insignificant uh, vote to in, in 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 the opposition to the government, but we will have now a bigger platform to spread their messages.
0: Uh, you may have said it, and I may have missed it, but it's the 13. Is there a comparison with decades ago? Like, do we know the last time that that this type of faction? This is the biggest percentage that any extreme party got. Meaning, since World War II, like since right. oh wow, I didn't even realize that um, the EU invited convicted Palestinian terrorist Layla Khaled to speak at the Parliament Tuesday in a conference of the role of women in the Palestinian popular resistance. Was there an outcry from the uh, state of Israel about the invitation?
7: Oh, certainly, and from us and from many others. And I know the Welfare Project is looking at it, uh, the legal uh, status of it. But she uh, is a PFLP member. This is—it's uh, outrageous to be invited to this kind of a prestigious forum. Uh, and uh, again, it just shows the weakness of Europe on on the issues of uh, terrorism, e- even though they be so victimized by it. But when you extol somebody like this. You are contributing to, the, to their own downfall to the uh, you know the threats that they face and the unwillingness on their part to 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 take even this this kind of modest step. To and there are protests, obviously, from um, government officials and some of the members of the EU Parliament, but it's still the you see that they they always find excuses how to separate the military wings from the terrorist wings and uh, from the uh, other wings of of terrorist entities and not to to brand uh, Hamas or Hezbollah as terrorist entities and you know then eventually they they uh, they do in 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 certain cases but it's it's a general uh, weakness and unwillingness to confront the reality of what they face yeah
0: Serious question, um, it, because I think it reflects something important about changes in the Middle East in general, but I'd love to get your impression. Your, your reaction to Saudi Arabia's decision to let women drive? Well, I think it's an important concession.
7: When I uh, was in the Gulf um, several months ago, and they indicated that this was one of the reforms that uh, would be implemented, made people were skeptical. But the fact is that the the young crown prince and the uh, and the uh, the king uh, are looking to institute reforms. It'll be a slow process. It's not going to be an overnight change. This is uh, though a significant uh, gesture, and it certainly many of the more conservative elements or, or religious extremists in Saudi Arabia, which has very strong Wahhabi um, presence and supports Wahhabi activities around the world, and. Many of them very extreme. Um, that the that there is, they are trying to change. They are trying to institute uh, uh, reforms in the economy and in the in the, in the social uh, sphere. So, I know in the West they probably most people will just dismiss it and say, "Well, of course women can drive," but for mm-hmm. them, it, it is a major concession and a, or measure. But uh, so, uh, it's more than symbolic.
0: And finally, do you, I mean, I, I always think this, things like this are even more important to point out at the beginning of each year. You, I'm sure you realize this, but it's just remarkable. Um, it, almost every day, and you put out a daily alert, so, you know, you obviously see the news every single day. Almost every day, it seems, some major company on the globe, often from the United States, are purchasing, are buying some Israeli startup in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Have you noticed that?
7: it is amazing there is hardly a day when you don't see one of the major american companies or a chinese company or somebody going to israel buying uh, new startups of course when you get in 11 billion dollar buyout as you did of the pharma company recently know it makes headlines or so when mobileye right. they got 15 billion dollars uh with a 15 billion dollar buyout it makes a bigger headline but we try to to highlight this to show that this is an ongoing process that Israel has 4,200 startups and you know for a small country that's an immense amount and and the the, the Chinese go there the Japanese are going there certainly Silicon Valley is is heavily represented in Israel and look at at the tremendous creativity and companies that are there and uh, this is startup nation which many people said you know would be an initial thrust, but they couldn't sustain it, is being sustained and broadened into, and, so, into many new areas.
0: Just a couple that you brought to our attention this week: SAP, which is a German software company, right. bought Israeli startup Gigya for three hundred and fifty million dollars. IBM, we're familiar with that one, is buying Cloudigo from Israel for an undisclosed amount. And then on top of that, Israel's Elbit Systems is providing an array of electronic defense systems to an African country under a quarter of a billion dollar contract. So-
7: and, and SAP has two development centers in Israel with 700 employees.
0: <laughs> Tell that to the right-wingers Google in have, Germany. Others
7: have Intel. And they say that uh, it is the most productive or after the United States the most productive facility that they have in the capacity... Uh, that is being developed all the time, and we see more Haredim coming in. We see other people that the um, broadening the workforce, uh, which is obviously very important for Israel's future and the future of these communities.
0: Uh, Yom Kippur is uh, upon us, starting hours from now. And I know you always have a, a short message for us, but I, I just bef- before I turn the microphone over to you, I just have to say, and I'm listening to the news from Israel this morning. I pointed this out earlier. You know they're talking about the start time for the for Yom Kippur and what time the Ila, Kol Nidre is tonight and the of generally what time it'll be tomorrow night and and the emergency services in the country how they're going to work over the next 25 hours and and bus schedules have come to a halt in major cities and this is when they'll pick up tomorrow night and and sometimes you know no matter what background you come from uh, on the Jew, on the Jewish slash religious scale you sometimes have to just sit back and realize the gift that we have and that we have a state of Israel that at least for one day a year, I know some people would like it to be more than one day a year, but at least for one day a year and more, take this opportunity to to remind everybody about about our heritage and tradition.
7: I think it's a very good point that is overlooked. You know, public transportation stops hours before. There is virtually no cars on the road. And remember that the that Google one time uh, was showing uh, big traffic jams in Tel Aviv. Well, it was because people were uh, roller skating or biking that even those who didn't necessarily observe Yom Kippur, and it is widely observed, and I know many secular Israelis are, uh, who, who all go to synagogue at some point during uh, Yom Kippur, I think 90% or so of Israelis observe it in one way or another. Uh that the the I mean the, Israel lives by a Jewish calendar, and too often we we overlook that we don't think about the um, uh, the, the implications and the you know every conversation ends with Gemar Hatimatova yep. from I- Israelis,
0: including their newscast today,
7: <laughs> and their newscast and it started that way and it ends uh, that way so and that, and and then for Sukkot the country virtually comes to a standstill and it doesn't mean because everybody. Obviously, observes it, but you see Sukkot in in many places, and and people who are are not necessarily fully observant uh, also have them. And there are are uh, trends in this regard, or statistics which belie some of the impressions that people have. Uh, and uh, and I think many young people in Israel uh, are turning back to it, want to find ways to relate and to give expression to it. So hopefully, this is a here we will see Yom Kippur's prayers fulfilled. Its prayers not about just the, uh, Rosh Hashanah; is much more about the future. Now we look also at the past. We do all the al Alchets, which we don't do Rosh Hashanah, looking at all that we did last year. Uh, but all of it is about the future. And then ultimately, about how do we change? How, what, how sincere we are in our uh, expressions of uh, of regret, our assessments, our personal assessments, both the but what we've done with our our fellow person and uh, our involvement in the communities, and then, of course, our relationship with God. And, you know, the judgment, as Rav J. Fajic points out, is not just about what we did when he says the book of life and the book of death. He says it's the book of the dead, because sometimes what you do may not reach its full fulfillment in your lifetime. That it could be a generation later, something you did, your grandchildren, either how you educated your kids and the grandchildren and, and the, um, the the seeds that you laid, did, some of the things that you may have done that didn't blossom in your lifetime, but years later came to fruition. And so that we judge for good and bad those in previous generations who, who have died in the past, as well, of course, all of those who are living to, to think about this in the longer term, to think about the multi-generational impact of what we do and what we fail to do.
0: Extremely important point. We take this opportunity to wish you a happy, healthy, sweet new year, a year of peace. Continue mm-hmm. your amazing work on behalf of the Jewish people. Believe it or not, the next time we speak on the air is going to be Erev Shabbos Parshas Noah. Imagine that. So have, yeah. a, have a wonderful Yom Tov. Well,
7: we'll be we'll be flooded by news by then.
0: You could say that. Oh, yeah, there'll be a lot. There's no <laughs> question. We'll be drowning in news by then. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Yom and we will speak soon. Bez Rat Hashem. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Erev Yom Kippur. Candle lighting at 621 on this Erev Yom Kippur in the New York area. 621, followed, of course, by Kol Nidre, and uh, hopefully by an easy fast for all and a uh, an inspiring and meaningful Yom for everybody. Uh, next week, as Malcolm just said, it'll be Sukkot right after Yom Kippur. Wednesday night starts the holiday. The next time we will speak in terms of weekly update and analyzing the news will be three weeks from today uh, when uh, we stand at Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach, uh, which will be on the 20th of October, right? 20th of October, the next weekly update. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today of course Rabbi Yudin speaks about the upcoming holiday of Yom Kippur. Good morning Rabbi Yudin.
8: Good morning Nachum, Good Erev Shabbos everybody and Good Erev Yom Tov and let me begin by first wishing everyone a Shnas Chayim V'Shalom we're going to be davening throughout Yom Kippur, as we have been saying. So chreinu l'chayim, and tomorrow night at Ne'ilah, chosmeinu. Not just chosveinu to write us, but to seal us. L'chayim, for life. What is life? And so I really must direct you to the end of the verse. Lemancho Elokim chayim. We say, Hashem, give us life that we can be true, good, loyal subjects of you to reflect your Torah, to reflect your mitzvot, to reflect your special character that emerges from the Torah and mitzvot. that reflects hayosha that the Jew is to conduct himself in a very special way so that on a daily basis his interaction with people is that of a Kiddush Hashem a sanctification of his name L'ma'ancha. that's what we're asking Hashem give us life that you would be proud of us wow That is how we are to go in to Yom Kippur. Let's understand today is a very special day. Number one, there's a mitzvah to eat today. Okay, number one, there are those that say that this is the only fast from the Torah. And the Torah, like a loving mother, is concerned. Tatala, mamala, tomorrow you're going to fast. Today, please eat. Others say, and it's based on the Pasuk, that... Yom Kippur actually begins, as we'll talk about this, on the 9th. After all, Torah tells us that excuse me, Yom Kippur is the 10th. Not Tisha B'av, Yom Kippur. It is the 10th. So what's going on here? So the first thing, let's get to it right now, is that you have to add on to Yom Kippur. Don't tell me that sunset today is 642, and therefore I can eat until... six. No, no, you can't. You have to stop before, and you have to accept upon yourself Yom Kippur and the restrictions of Yom Kippur, which we'll get to in a few moments. And that's why most synagogues will be starting Kol Nidre this afternoon at approximately 6.25, 6.20. And the reason for that is we are adding on to Yom Kippur, which is a mitzvah of Tosephes adding on to the day of Yom Kippur. Today, many men go to the mikvah. The um, reason for that is we're going to be spending the entire day kamat of Yom Kippur in prayer. And whereas all year long, the rabbis were lenient and said that we didn't have to follow the rule of Ezra, who said that you should go to the mikvah, before you pray, all year long, we don't. And we're not so careful about that. But to, today, the men should go to the mikveh. The men do not recite a blessing when they go to the mikveh. But they should go to the mikveh today. Lifnei Hashem. Before you come to God, to taru, you should already be as, quote, clean, as pure as possible, bodily and spiritually, as we'll talk about in a moment. And therefore, how different today as Erev Yom Tov is different than the Erev Yom Tov next week of Sukkos. The Erev Yom Tov of Sukkos is to prepare for Sukkos, period. But you don't sit in the Sukkah on Erev Sukkos. Here... On erev Yom Kippur, we don't wait for tonight when it's nighttime and definitively Yom Kippur to recite the vidui, the confession, the oshamnu, bogadnu, gozalnu, and the list of alchets. But rather mincha time. Be at mincha this afternoon, gentlemen. And there's usually different minchas, and find out the time in your community. At that mincha, you're going to say the vidui again. Lifnei Hashem. Before you come to Hashem on Yom Kippur, to taru, you should already be cleansed and you already try to recite the Vidui, the confession, today. And that's happening this afternoon at Mincha time. Just know, once we're mentioning the term Vidui, that we say Vidui over Yom Kippur ten times. We'd say it once this afternoon at Mincha, twice tonight at Myriv, that's three, twice in Shachris tomorrow morning, that's five, twice in Musaf tomorrow afternoon is seven, twice at Mincha is nine, and once at uh, Ne'ila for ten times. Ten times over Yom Kippur, we say the Vidui. Understand the Vidui take a moment if you haven't done it yet go into a room by yourself close the door it's alphabetical it's not just what do these words mean they're translated treacherously what does that mean how do you understand it in simple english it means is you should t- say to yourself it's a what did i do wrong that starts with the letter a B, what did I do wrong that starts with the letter B? And C, and you can't look at anybody else's paper because you have to confess what you did wrong. The skeletons that are in your closet, that should be on your list when you go into Yom Kippur. Of course we have the Mauser, and of course we say what's in the Mauser, but you have to say beyond it, and it should trigger for us a personal, meaningful prayer when we say the Vedoy. This afternoon, the last meal that we eat before the fast is called the Suda Mavsekes, the meal that divides. And basically, it's a festive meal. And it's like a Shabbos meal in the sense, we don't make Kiddush, and especially this year, even though we're going into Shabbos, we don't make Kiddush. But we are celebrating Yom Kippur. What does that mean? That we are optimistic that Yom Kippur is going to cleanse us. What an incredible gift this is, as the Chinuch says in Mitzvah 185 listen to this, that, that Yom Kippur and too many people don't understand this and appreciate it Yom Kippur is Mechazdei Hokel it is literally of God's loving kindness towards his human beings to establish one day in the year for them to undergo atonement for sins Why? For if transgressions of human beings were to accumulate, says the Chinuch, year by year, their measure would become full at the end of two or three years or more, and the world would become sentenced to destruction. Therefore, in his wisdom, he saw fit for the endurance of the world to set one day in the year for the atonement of sins of the repentant. Unbelievable. We should realize how privileged we are to have Yom HaKippurim. The other reason that we are having the Sudam Avsekis is not only to celebrate Yom Kippur, and his kapara, but Yom Kippur, the Gemara in Tanis tells us at the end is the day of Kabbalah. Torah, Moshe came down with the second set of luchos, and whenever the Jewish people get Torah, we celebrate. We can't celebrate on Yom Kippur with eating and drinking, so we celebrate before Yom Kippur. The minog is to light a neshama, a yard site. For each of the relatives that have gone on. Why? The Torah never calls it Yom Kippur in the singular. The Torah always calls it Yom Kippurim in the plural because not just the living but the deceased are judged as well. Unless you ask, what does that mean? The deceased are judged. So the answer is that the way we conduct ourselves is a reflection upon our parents. Is a reflection upon our teachers if we do well they rise and unfortunately the converse is also true as well hence Ner neshama, this afternoon the Yerzeit Licht and by Hadlokas neir, very important those women who will be driving to shul this afternoon meaning you're going to light Shabbos slash Yom Kippur candles you're going to make the bracha. Don't make the Yanu at home if you're driving to shul. If you're walking, fine. When you light candles, you're accepting Yom Kippur. But if you're going to drive, you can't recite the Yanu. The shecheyanu is your acceptance of Yom Kippur. So if you're driving to shul, just make the bracha on the hadikneir of Shabbos and Yom Kippurim. And what will you do about? the yanu like all the men do, the chazen in shul tonight will, right after Kol Nidre, recite the bracha of yanu and that will satisfy all those who have not recited it yet. So again, women, if you're driving, what does that mean you're driving? You're making a Tanai, you're making a condition with your lighting of Shabbos Yom Kippur candles, that you're not accepting Shabbos Yom Kippur until you get to the synagogue. Now, Kol Nidre, the gentleman with the talis, and the bracha of the talis must be recited. It's a day garment before Shkia, before sunset. And as we mentioned earlier, Kol Nidre is, is, is recited. Nice bit before sunset. The five restrictions of Yom Kippur, eating and drinking, everybody agrees, is biblical. And if one has to eat or drink on Yom Kippur, please call your local Rav and he will tell you how to do it. Okay, I don't, can't go into that now, but call your rabbi to find out if someone has to eat on Yom Kippur. Now, washing of the body is prohibited tomorrow morning. When we wake up, Negovasa every morning, the washing of one's hands, because when one sleeps at nighttime, sleep is one sixtieth of death, and there's a Ruach Tumor, there's impurity on our hands. Every morning we take a cup and we wash our hands to the wrist, right, left, Right, left, right, left. Tomorrow morning, till the knuckles, period. Uh, Shake off the water. Your hands, your fingers are a little bit moist. Rub them through your eyes to remove any impurities. And that's it. That's it. When you use the, the bathroom during the day, same thing. Wash your hands to your knuckles. If, however... Somebody should get themselves dirty. A mommy taking care of a child, etc., etc. Then, by all your means, you're allowed to wash. It's of Tanik, It's a washing of pleasure, which is prohibited. Applying ointments and cosmetics are prohibited. I'm not going to shave on um, on Yom Kippur, but maybe I'm going to put on aftershave. No, no, no. That's exactly what that prohibition is. Women, no cosmetics. Fourth one is leather shoes. Sneakers with leather is also Prohibited And finally, marital relations Regarding the prayers Of Yom Kippur Tonight and tomorrow morning With the Shema The custom is that we recite The line of Baruch Shame As the angels do aloud Now, the prayers Please God, tomorrow morning Shacharis the, On Shabbos we don't say Till Ne'ilah now, Shacharis, <throat> the Kriya Satora is the Avoda. The Avoda is that special service which was done Achas Pashana once a year in Yom HaKippurim. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, as our emissary, as our agent, went in and performed a special service in that Holy of Holies four times that he entered and came out on Yom HaKippurim and interestingly stop for a moment Rabbi Salvedchik noted that it's not just that we read about the Kodesh HaKadoshim the Holy of Holies but Yom Kippur is the day that each individual goes into their personal, private Holy of Holies as well and takes a good look at what's going on in their inner self what a challenge that is but what a blessing because if we weren't forced to do it nobody would do this kind of introspection the Musaf has as part of the repetition of the Shemona Esrei we have the Avoda. the Avoda is just that service which we read about in the morning we literally go through it and as we had in the Haftorah last Shabbos Shabbos Un Shalma Purim Sfaseinu which means that if we cannot ourselves bring the carbon, in this case here the service then let our talking about it, that our studying that our pining for it be looked upon by God as if we actually did it at the Mincha we have the Maftir Yonah. And Maftir Yonah, the story of Yona has many very pertinent, powerful lessons, not the least of which is that there is the element of universalism throughout the day of Yom Kippur, not just the Jewish people. Proof, look at the way we end I- in the Kedushas Hayom, the middle bracha of each Shemona Esrei. And what is it? Baruch HaTo'a Hashem, Melech, the king, who pardons and forgives our sins, and the sins of his people, the family of Israel. It's a long bracha, and he removes our sins every single year then Melech Arez, the king over all the world and so Yonah is sent to the non-Jewish world telling them to repent and they do very important book the book of Yonah that we read reminding us that as he attempted to flee and run away and if you might ask why would a prophet run away sitting down the answer is because of his love for the jewish people he was only afraid that the non-jews of ninveh would listen which indeed happened and as a result of that ayayay it would make the jewish people look good because they were not listening to their prophets Ne'ilah is the closing prayer And the one way, which I think is very powerful to understand Ne'ilah, I believe by the Meshachachma, is that this is the following. All day long, God is judging, and as a judge, there are certain protocols in the court that even he, capital H, has to follow. However, Ne'ilah, you have him alone. And you know what that means, Talk to him, not just what's in the Maghzor, but use the Maghzor as a springboard for you to talk to Hashem personally and privately. And finally, after Yom Kippur, we have the blowing of the shofar. Three reasons for that. One, go home and eat, Yom Kippur is over. Two, Just like by Sinai, when Hashem gave the Torah, and the Torah says that you were prohibited and restricted to going up the mountain, but when the shofar was blown, then you could. The shofar represented the exit of the Shechina. We are escorting the Shechina with the shofar and saying goodbye. And finally, it reminds us of the blowing of the shofar on Yom Kippur, that the Torah Commands and please God will take place on the Yovel year every 50 years when Yovel is in effect. I just want to close with tonight when we, before Kol Nidre, you have the taking out of two Torah and the Chazen as he walks around with the Torah recites or Zorua Latzadik. Uli Simcha which means light is sown for the righteous and for the upright of heart gladness the first thing it comes to teach us is a reward in uh, the belief in reward and punishment namely that or at Sadiq, that Sadiq is going to get please God his payment in the future and Rabbi uh, uh, The commentaries note, very interestingly, that the last letters of those six words spell out the Resh from Or, and the next five letters, last letter, is Akiva, Rabbi Akiva. We begin the Yom Kippur reminding us of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, in the last Mishnah of Yuma, reminds us how privileged we are that God Himself is the one who purifies us, and Rabbi Akiva is the one who, with his life, as the Gemara ends at the end of Makos, Akiva Nihamtoni, Akiva Nihamtoni, Akiva—not just what you say, but who you were, your determination, your fact that you started at forty, and the fact that you had so many students, and when you lost your students, you never gave up. The fact that we have. The oral Torah today is because of the incredible Mesiras Nefesh of Rabbi Akiva reminding each and every one of us of the incredible potential of man. Once again, wishing Nachum and his family, wishing all our listeners and friends a Gemar Chassima Tova. It should be a good year For all of us, a healthy year, a year that we can be productive, and please God, a year of shalom for the entire world. A good Shabbos and a meaningful Yom Kippur to all.
9: Thank you.
10: besaar riboi noi jeloi to besaar da kleine lech i
0: Well, instead of going with the uh, Mordechai Ben David Barosha Shana Ein Kitzvah, we went with Psachlanushar, words from the Ila, from a uh, song that just came out in the last year from Mordechai Ben David. Uh, the great Chazen Yasla before that, dedicated to listener Yechi and all the great Rosenblatt fans in our JMNM audience. I take this opportunity to wish everybody a Igmarksimatova, um, good yori, sweet, happy, healthy year. Uh, a year of peace and prosperity for all. A special thank you to the entire Nachum Segal Network and JMNAM staff. Um, we should continue to go from strength to strength and have yet another amazing year during this 5778. To all of us and all of our families, a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. It is time to say good Shabbos, good Yom Tov. Wish everybody a happy and a meaningful fast. That's right, a happy. It is Yumtiv after all. A meaningful fast, a fast fast, and an easy fast as we get set for Yom Kippur 5778 here at Jam and the Am. Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world in the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And a reminder, Yom Kippur begins tonight. Candle lighting in the New York area, 621, 621. Monday we're back starting at 6 a.m. Matis on Sunday with JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. I'll run Rummy Tomorrow Night with the Saturday Night Siegel. Make sure to be tuned in at all times to NSN. Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two is next with the video posted at NachumSiegel.com. Naomi interviews Shannon Sarno, author of The Modern Jewish Baker, and Sally Facts of World of Chantilly Bakery. And thank you, World of Chantilly, for those delicious NSN cookies. Have an easy, fast, a meaningful and wonderful Yom Kipper, everybody. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us. Till the Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.